Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, good day, everyone. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to All Talk with Jason Mike. Very nice to have your company wherever you are. I tell you what, we've got a big, big podcast ahead of us. We're going to be giving out acting advice, relationship advice, and just general, general, general advice, uh, which is kind of our forte. Uh, Mike Mano, good to see you, by the way, mate. Great to see you, mate. I've had um, three coffees today. Yeah. I'm on my third coffee, and I've also had a Red Bull, so... I don't really know where my head's at at the moment. A little what? bit buzzed out, man. Well, it's well, it's really interesting actually looking at you at the moment because you seem very relaxed. My eyes are bulging. Well, your eyes—you've got your glassy, bulgy eye going on, but you, your body seems very relaxed. Uh, I'm surprised that's the case, given you've had three coffees and a Red Bull. My hands are shaking ever so slightly. Oh, okay. To be honest, well, yeah. that makes sense. But how are you going? Otherwise, you good? Yeah, bloody good, mate. Um, the sun's out again. We've had a few rough days, haven't we? We sure have. Um, but I'm hoping that now that we're into the calendar summer, yes, that things will take a turn for the up because there's calendar summer, isn't there? And then there's also the the actual summer, which starts on about the 23rd of December. Are you aware of that? Yeah, well, I wasn't, but I am now. Yeah, yeah, there's the equinox, which oh. apparently happens on about the 22nd or 23rd of the month, which is when actual summer starts. Right. The seasons don't know about the human calendar. Yes, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I was slightly distressed to learn, actually, with regards to the summer, that we're expecting an El Nino, uh, which means, of course, wind. Oh, does it? Really, really hot days, but a lot of wind. There's one thing that gets my goat, Mike, and you won't know this about me. It's wind. I love the wind. Which is why I could never live in Wellington as much as I love it. Yeah, yeah. um, It has been a very windy spring, actually, and it has reminded me of Wellington. Um, I was hoping it was about to die off, but you're saying it's going to... Keep going, yeah, and potentially get worse. Yeah, po- is it also a bit wet as well? I saw that it was going to be uh, massively humid. Yes, um, that there were that Tauranga and Auckland can expect nights to be so humid that it's reminiscent of Fiji. Yeah, well, that wouldn't surprise me actually. And I, I've noticed um, that when I've been sleeping at night already, I'm beginning to sweat a little bit. Right, but maybe that's more an indication that I need to change my winter sheets into my summer sheets. Are you still running the flannelette? Uh, well, we're still running the flannelette at the moment. And I said to my wife this this very morning, actually, I think we need to start running the summer sheets. <laughs> yeah, there comes a time. I mean, we start. We went onto our summer sheets probably about six weeks ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I knew we were behind the ball. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's going to be. The first thing I do when I get home today. Is there a date on the calendar as there is sort of with Christmas trees? You know, there's sort of a time where you should start doing that. Is there is there a date on the calendar when you should change over into your summer sheets? Obviously in Wellington it's never. Yes. Uh, maybe you'll take one of your eight duvets off the bed um, and that's about as far as it goes. But I think maybe we need to uh, establish a date so that everybody knows now's the time to get in your summer sheets. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that makes sense. I might start doing that from now on. I've got, of course, I've got my calendar on my on my bathroom um Wall, which tells me everyone's birthdays and things. But right. I think from now on, I might start adding in things like flannel sheets yes. slash 
summer sheets. Yes. Uh, because, you know, no one enjoys sweating in bed at night, Mike. I loathe it. I mean, I, I mean, I have enough trouble sleeping as it is without being overheated. What's keeping you up at nights, mate? Well, it's probably the eight or nine coffees I tend to drink during the day. Yeah. Um, and my wife and I have become very, very fond of the evening piccolo. Ooh. So we have, we've got some lovely little piccolo glasses at home, a lovely yeah, coffee I machine. Um, so we, I always look at my wife at about, usually about 8.30. Right. Piccolo, my love. Ooh. Piccolo. She looks up from her phone, yeah. does she? <laughs> well, eventually. Ev- eventually she yeah. does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was that, sorry? Yeah. A piccolo, my love. Right. Sure, why not? Yeah. And do, are you running one of those um, Nespresso machines? No. Or have you got a proper... What a load of shit they are. They're, they're brutal, aren't they? Um, yeah, and... My sister um, over in Australia, actually, she's got a, an ex, a, what are they called? Nespresso. Nespresso. Yeah. And have you ever been into a n- Nespresso shop? What a load of shit. It is. It is. And what I find is uh, that the coffee is extremely weak. Yes. You know, you get nothing out of them, really. Although I see now that they've started to do ones that you can, they give you the capsules and you can pack your own fresh. And maybe that would improve things slightly, but it seems like a bit of a waste of money, really. Yeah, it does. It's just a big wank fest. Mm-hmm. Hey, let's crack into it. Um, I just, I'm very keen. As we spoke in our last podcast, I'm getting a a, a Jill Filament update. The woman, of course, offering to donate seven point five million dollars to our podcast to distribute amongst the needy across the world. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we um, we received the email a couple of weeks ago. I got back to her, um, and at this point, we're still waiting for a response. Um, I I feel like. It was an email worth responding to that I sent back to her. I mean, I was very positive. Um, I was sympathetic. Have you got the email that you sent? I have got it here. Um, I'd like to hear it. um, Hello, Maggie. Apologies in advance for using your first name, but after receiving your email, I already feel that we are very close. Mm. Jason and I are so sorry to hear of your latest troubles, particularly around the esophageal cancer. Just a note here, Maggie, esophageal starts with an O, not an E. You should, should spelt that with an E. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I wouldn't have pointed it out, but it's absolutely your right to do well, so. Well, I mean, she probably feels like it's good to know when you're embarrassing yourself. Yeah, okay. Don't you think? Mm. And sort of like if you've got a bit of food on your face. Or a bit of a booger hanging. Yeah, you want to you, you want to be told. That's right. Yeah, okay. not go through the entire day and you get home and your wife points it out to you. Um, so sorry to hear of your latest troubles, particularly around the esophageal cancer, your husband's death from coronavirus, in my view, a scam by the lefty media, and the sticky fingered nature of your friends and family. Unacceptable and very sad. Here, here. Jason and I have given this matter great thought and have decided we will accept your generous offer of giving us $7.5 million to distribute amongst the poor and the widows. And let's not forget the orphanages. Let us know the next steps and I look forward to talking to you soon. Love, Mike. P.S. Just a note that now your husband has passed away, your total becomes Ms. rather than Mrs., which yeah. we discussed. Yeah, well, I think that's fair enough to point that out, actually. Yeah. Um, but, you yeah, know, that's lovely, mate. I love the love at the end of it. Well, it's a really affectionate way of signing off. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I feel like we are quite close, but, um, you know, who knows what's going on in her world. She hasn't gotten back to us yet, but she she's obviously got quite a lot of stuff going on. So hopefully in the coming days, we'll have further news from uh, Maggie Tillerson. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, because I've been thinking about that $7.5 a lot, Mike, and I don't know. You start about, spending it. Yeah, don't well, you? I've already spent it. Right. Um, is it gone? Yeah. Have you ever, do you ever do that, um, those fantasies where you go, uh, if I won like three million dollars, what would I do with it? Yeah, and then you and you go through it in your head, and you realise three million's not enough. 
That is true. Yeah. I mean, I remember growing up, uh, Lotto used to be $1 million, and, you, and at that time you'd be set for life. Yes. But now it feels like 10 is probably what you need. Yeah. That's why I don't bother buying a Powerball until it's up to about 35. Yeah, fair enough. You know, there's just no point. 20 is not enough. You know, let's just forget about it. So, yeah, I mean, I have spent it. Generally, what I think about when I imagine winning the lottery um, is how I'm going to elude my existing family and friends and, and start a whole new life elsewhere. Yeah. So I don't have to hand it out because you sort of start – my wife's obviously a nicer person than me, and she starts thinking, oh, well, we'll give this much to mum and, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, What's that about? Yeah, it never my, occurs to My me. wife is exactly the same. Say we won, you know, five mil, babe. I mean, what would be the situation? She goes – and she always says, well, we can pay off my sister's mortgage – uh, we can buy your dad a really nice house. You can pay off your mum's mortgage. I'm like, what, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do that. Nah. What I would do if I won five minutes is not tell a single soul. That's right. Um, and just purchase all sorts of amazing properties so that everyone around me, the family members we were just discussing, will go, Christ, he's doing well, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, that's right. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Without telling them that you've actually won No, it. that's right, because the trouble is as soon as you give them a little bit, yeah, they want a little bit more. Exactly. You know? Um, so yeah, I think you're better off just remaining stum, yeah, and just being a bit secretive. A few, you know, a few big holidays here and there, and just say you're on a on, on a working trip, a business trip, yes, and uh, and just hope they don't work it out. Exactly, mate. Well, let's crack into it. Um, and we've got a, a bit of a request here, so it's time for Jason Mike with acting chat. Cut. Let's go again, please. One more time. Jason Mike, bring you. Acting chat. We've got a really interesting uh, little question here, Mike. One I think you could probably relate to. Hey, guys. Really enjoying the potty. God, I hate that word. Mm. Don't call it a potty. No. Keep it up. Question on acting. I recently got my first professional job as an actor. It was nothing special, just a featured extra role with no lines uh, for an advertorial. My part required me to walk down the street. That was it. Nothing else. I've got this, I thought to myself. However, when the cameras started rolling, I suddenly seemed incapable of walking in a normal fashion. My hands also felt like useless slabs of meat on the end of my arms. I didn't understand what the hell was going on. Have either of you experienced something like this in your careers? If not, should I just give it all away and get back to flipping burgers, Jacob? Well, so it's a bit of a double question there, isn't it? One, have we experienced it? And two, should they give up and stick to flipping burgers? Well, the answer is yes and yes. Yeah. Uh, that's my instinct too, actually. Um, but having said that, I did experience something similar the first time I had to walk on camera. As you know, I've got quarter to three feet. Yes. Um, so my walk's already kind of abnormal because yeah. of the osteomyelitis I had as a child, which nearly crippled me. And 70% of people at the time uh, who got that particular disease never walked again, Mike. Right. Uh, and incidentally, my doctor was the great Peter Tapsell, uh, oh. later MP for Parliament. Wow. Um and so I can relate to the funny walk, but I remember the first time I had to walk on, on camera and all of a sudden you seem to forget the very basics of your body and you're, you become this clumsy, and I don't know what that is. Um, some would call it camera fright. Yes. Um, but the, the art of acting is making the abnormal seem normal because mm -hmm. you're in a completely abnormal situation and the good actors make that abnormal situation seem normal. And initially for me, it was a struggle as well. Yeah, and it was the other way around for you. You were taking a normal situation and making it abnormal. abnormal exactly. Because to walk is normal. But the trouble is that you never think about 
the way that you walk, do you? Or the way that you hold your hands or any of that stuff. But as soon as the camera's put on you and that's yes. what's been required of you, you suddenly think, shit, what do I do with my arms? What do I do with my hands? What do I do with my legs? Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it is It is a lot of pressure, which you either uh, manage to adapt to um, and sort of carry on without too much struggle. Or, um, in your case here, mate, uh, Jacob, uh, you choke. Yeah. As Jace did. Uh, but you managed to kick on, Jason, and have had a successful career yeah, ever since that. I, I did, Mike. An and auspicious was, start. Well, I remember you uh, um, saying a little while back, at the, at the start of your uh, acting career, people called you very handsy mm. um, because you were a great handy gesticulator. Yes. Weren't you? And, and, and there were a number of times that directors came up to you, you were telling me, and, and saying, great performance, Mike. Just be aware of your hands, mate, because you were sort of gesticulating and, and getting all Shakespearean on it. Instead of just letting your hands be normal hands. That's right. As you, as you would in a normal environment. Exactly. Yeah. Like right now I've got uh, two hands resting on a table in front of me. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. That's just where they've gone. And if I was in an acting environment, that would be a real blessing to me. I'd see the table and I'd go, great, I'll yep. put my hands on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but well, you actually went through a stage in your acting career, you were telling me, where you insisted on every scene that you had you had to have some sort of desk or table that you could rest your hands on. Desk or, or table or multiple pockets in my costume. Yes. Um, so I don't know if you remember, and you will, of course, the uh, the Michael Jackson outfit where the, he had the red jacket with the zips all y- over it. Yes, I remember it well. So my first sort of six or seven um, jobs that I had, I, I insisted on having one of those jackets so that I could just open a zip and slide a hand in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was really beneficial for me because you do sort of get into the scene and then all of a sudden you're like, oh. Yeah, these are like big pieces of ham, aren't they? Yeah, and which is what Jacob's experienced there as well. And there's other things that happened. The only, the one and only play that I ever did, um, the play opened with me and one other actor, but it was me on the phone. Uh, obviously, it wasn't a real phone call, but yeah. it, it opened with me sort of doing a scam on somebody. So all you could sort of see is one side of the phone conversation. And I remember in one of them, uh, one of the uh, nights of the show. Uh, the lights came up, I'm jabbering away, and I sort of got four or five words into it, and I went completely blank. Yes. And I could not remember any of the next three-page monologue that I was meant to do. Uh, and I looked across at my scene partner, who could see that the train had gone the, well and truly yes, off the, the rails. Yes, the terror in the eyes. And actually, that was a, uh, the first time that I got my eyes a bulging Reference because my eyes were a bulging. Yes. And he just looked at me and uh, he was sitting on a couch and he just threw his arms up knowing that I was all on my own and he was going to do absolutely nothing to help me. But I just continued the phone conversation going, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then eventually it, comes it back came to back you. to me because yeah, yeah. my great fear with doing that play was that would happen to me. But – that my way of handling it would be that I would turn to the audience and say, oh, no, no, can we just start again? I've forgotten all the words. <laughs> that was my great fear, but thankfully I didn't do that. And uh, it, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but God, it's a horrible feeling. Well, I, I remember very clearly, having, you've just reminded me of a story of my first show, Showboat. Oh, yes, I told you about with yes, Captain, Captain yeah, Andy. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, well, this is actually true. One of the guys um, who was two years ahead of me, he was in the seventh form, I was in the fifth form, and he had a song to sing in, in the middle of the show, and he did exactly that. He started the song, and he stuffed it completely. 
and he looked down at the little orchestra down there and he just went, no, no, stop, please, stop, in the middle of the show, stop, please, let's start that again, I stuffed it up. And everyone just went. Yeah, see, that's my great fear. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, he, and he, he, even worse than that, he, he not only did that, Mike, he stuffed it up again uh, because he'd put all the pressure on himself. Uh, and so in the end, they had to just, they, I think the director was sort of, just don't worry about it, move on, move on, move on, get out push of there. Push through it. Yeah. Push through it. And, and what happened to that guy? I don't know what happened to Glenn. I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe he went into amateur theatrics. Yeah. Um, but Well, perhaps not. It was very funny. But you often see that in terms of hands. I don't know if you notice this, particularly with presenters. Mm-hmm. If they're presenting a show, they literally don't know what to do with their hands. Yes. Um, and I did a little acting course a little while ago where I did a 101 kind of session on, on hand movement and stuff. Because Was it a good teacher? Uh, no, I was the teacher. Oh, you were the yeah, teacher? Yeah, I actually taught it because people people freeze up. Because as, as we've mentioned, you feel like you've just got big, you know, wads of ham on the end and you just don't know what to do with them yeah and it's a matter of letting go mike yes it's a matter of not focusing on your hands and or indeed focusing on your walking it's letting it go and being in the moment isn't it well that is true um i've never given it much thought but if you're thinking about your hands um then you're not thinking about the scene are you no or being in the scene because if you're actually if all your concentration is on listening yes uh acting and reacting as they say then you won't be conscious of your body at all um, as in a normal conversation, you're not standing in a normal conversation thinking, "Oh God, they probably they probably think I'm standing with my hands funny." Yeah, well, and they say the key to great acting is all acting is in essence is listening. Yes, I was told that by a great actor. Mm. All acting is. Who was Jace, that? Um, Stuart Divinity, actually. Never heard of him. Uh, <laughs> Um, one of well, he's he's like New Zealand um, theatrical royalty. Oh, really? Um, and he said to me, "That's all it is, Jace. Acting, all it is is listening." But in fairness to Jacob, you do it, actually have to do your lines. In well, that. I mean, you do. You got to do your lines. You got to chuck your lines. Yeah, yeah, But in, in terms of defending Jacob here, I mean, he was just walking down the street, so there was no call for him to be listening for the other actors or anything. He couldn't suddenly no. stop in the middle of the street. And, start and also, he's he's sort of background noise, isn't he? He's not the he's not the focus um, of the shot. I don't think no. either. Well, as he say, as, as he says, he was a featured extra. So my vibe on that whole thing would be he probably won't even make it into the cut, mate. No, no, I wouldn't worry about it too much there. Um, you know, as you say, I didn't understand what the hell was going on. I'd, I'd keep on giving it another crack. Yeah. You know, um, it takes it should take more than one massive embarrassment to to stop you from pursuing this. Mm. Um, but then that's sort of at loggerheads with the other advice that we've given, which is never be an actor. Yeah. Well, I mean, my instinct when I look at that, I mean, yes, as I say, I had a similar experience, but I, I worked my way through it. The vibe I'm getting from Jacob is that he can't work his way through it, and I'd go back to a good, solid job. You may not earn as much, but, you know, you've got a solid wage. You know what you're getting every week. You can budget properly. Mm-hmm. So I'd get back to flipping burgers, Jacob. Well, that's right, and then the th- thing with flipping burgers is you know what you're doing with your hands. Mm. You're flipping burgers. Exactly. Um, so it sounds like you were made for flipping burgers um, and possibly not made for walking down the street in the background of a shot. And that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay. But uh, thanks for the email, Jacob. We we greatly appreciate it, mate. Now, um, we've got another one here, Mike. Uh, relationships. I think she's cheating on me. It's relationship advice with Jace and Mike. This is a... Uh, 
Nice little email. A bit different, actually, relationship-wise from what we traditionally get, yeah. which I, I quite enjoy. Hey, guys, I need some advice from you two exemplary human beings. I've recently sold my vehicle, a beat-up 2004 Ford Focus, and I'm about to upgrade to a much nicer 2015 Hyundai iX35. Oh, yeah, good car. Leather seats, sunroof, oh. cruise control, luxury. My fiance, who I love dearly and is the light in my life, thinks she is going to be the primary driver of this new car. How do I politely tell her to piss off without starting a fight? Her car currently is a 2002 Toyota Corolla. Any and all advice would be greatly appreciated. Lots of love, Jordan. And I think that was over the Instagram, though, possibly an email. What a great question, Mike. Mm. And uh, this has been going on since cars were invented. Yeah. Um, for a lot of men, the car is their life. Yeah. Um, like my my grandfather, who I've spoken about a lot, Brum. Yeah. He was a big car man, always polishing and a his caravan car, man. and a caravan man. He loved his cars, and if you got within cooey of his car, there was danger. Right. Uh, he'd get a bit of two by four and thwack you across the head. With you it. Is that, that's how you learned what a piece of two by four was. That's exactly how. Yeah. I, in the end, oh, that's a bit of two by four. <laughs> I got you, Brum. I got you. But it is throughout the ages something that has been a a spark, a fiery point mm-hmm. between men and women. Mm-hmm. What's your particular vibe on it? Um, yeah, well, I mean, I completely agree. It's um, it's an interesting letter in that there's a line in there, my fiance, who I love dearly and is the light of my life. Now, that feels to me like his fiance also listens to the podcast right okay so he's he's already laying the bed a bit of groundwork that, yeah down there. it feels a little bit disingenuous it yes, feels like he's putting yes. I better say this in case she hears it yeah um, so you know just whoever Jordan's fiance is just be aware that he's a, a real manipulative bastard that's what I'd say. Well, that's really interesting you should mention that because, you know, whenever I pay my wife a compliment, she, she never takes a compliment. It's she always, narrows the eyes. Well, she narrows the eyes and says, what have you done? Yeah. And it's like, darling, Yeah. I'm merely observing that you look lovely today. Yes. There is no ulterior motive. Yeah. Uh, so I just don't do them anymore. Got 30 bucks for a packet of durries. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, well... Yeah, and it depends. So much um, would have an effect on this particular question. You know, do you have joint finances? Because I know a lot of couples actually still run separate finances, okay. and yep. that's like the final frontier. Once you finally decide to join your finances, that you've got entirely joint accounts, that you're paying for everything together, um, then that will have a big effect because. You know, if if you were the one paying for this, well, then obviously you would be the driver. Yes. But if she is paying for it, well, then I think she's got just as much right to be the driver. Yeah. Of well, it. if it's a fifty-fifty scenario yeah. where you're both contributing to it, he he can't. Jordan can't rightfully say this is my car. No. Because it's half her car. Isn't exactly it? right. Depending on what kind of job she's she's got, because as we as we know and we've told ad nauseum, women get massively underpaid. Yes. Compared to men. Um, which isn't fair. So in many respects, it could be more of a sacrifice on her behalf mm-hmm. to be paying half of the car because it took us so much longer to earn that money. That's right. And it's so a in, greater in, percentage of the of the paycheck. And, and, and in an emotional sense, that would mean that she's more the owner of the car. That's right. That's right, because That's of the question. percentage paid. So, you know... I guess one way that you could sort of tiptoe around it, and given you're the one that's written the letter, what we're trying to do is uh, find a positive outcome for Jordan. Jordan wants to be the driver. So one way you can do this, and given that you are a manipulative bastard, as we've already said, you could actually make her 
the main driver on the insurance because women, as they constantly tell you, are better drivers. You know, the the insurance companies are always coming out and saying that women have less crashes and they're less severe than their male counterparts. Yes. So what you can do there is say, well, you can be number one on the insurance um, and that will bring down your premiums. Um, so that's a bit of a win there. And then she gets the, uh, all the mail will be addressed to her. So it'll make her feel like she's number one. Yeah, sure. Um, and then you just hold on to the keys and don't let them out of your sight. Yeah. Would that be a way to go? Well, I think that's... That's one direction um, that Jordan could go with that, um, empowering her without actually empowering her. Yes, um, because what he's saying is, how do I politely tell her to piss off without starting a fight? Well, yeah, yeah. There's I no, mean, there's, as you just heard from Jace, Jace has just given a compliment to his wife, and that yeah, started a fight. Exactly. So you can't tell her to piss off without starting a fight. Exactly. Um, there will be a fight. Uh, it just depends how big it's going to be. Well, I mean, he could get all sort of uh, well-mannered on it, you know, and when they go to go out somewhere, he could go to the passenger side door and open it for her, for example. You know what I mean? Darling, that's for you. Please, let me. Allow me. Like, he's doing the favour. When they go to parties, he stays off the booze. Yeah. I'll be the driver tonight, my love. You go crazy. Do what you need to do. I'll drive us home. Yeah, That sort of thing. I think that's the thing, because what she'll be anticipating here is for you to attempt to be the owner of this vehicle. Um, So what you need to do is probably go the opposite direction and kill her with kindness. Yes. And what I'd do is i say, yeah, absolutely, it's going to be your car, um, but before I got it home from the dealer or wherever it is that you're getting it, I'd go into uh, underneath the car seat and I'd, I'd adjust the settings so that the seat can't go as close to the pedals as she would require. Right, okay. Right, so the seat can't be moved forward, therefore she physically cannot drive the car. And yeah. you just say, well, oh, that's a shame, but we've already bought it, but that's how oh, you, oh, you I make the cars. Yes. There's nothing I can do about it. We can't return it. And, you know, you've done your best then um, to sort of make her the driver, but, you know, physics and the, and the way the car's set up just have... have sort of conspired to stitch you up, really. Yeah. Not your fault, not her fault. It's Hyundai's fault. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the biggest issue that, um, you know, because I, to be honest with you, Mike, I don't give a crap about cars. You've seen the car I drive. Mm. It's a little pooky thing. I mean, as long as it gets me from A to B, I'm not concerned in any way no. about what kind of car. I, I myself actually also have a Hyundai i20. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is a lovely car. I've got a Hyundai X-Trail, oh, I think. Okay. Have I? No, I haven't. It's a Nissan. Right. Yeah. So that's how, much I, Nissan. That's how much I care about cars. It's a Nissan X-Trail. And in fact, I, I had think, no idea. I think I used to own a 2002 Toyota Corolla, which is a bloody good car. Oh, they're great cars. I won't be dissing the Toyota Corolla. The biggest issue we have oh. amongst me and my partner with regards to cars is the person that's last in it not filling it up with petrol. Right. Uh, so, you know, like today, the very scenario today, I'm coming in here, I'm running a bit late, Mike. Yes. You know, I'm going, God, Mike hates it when I'm late. Yeah. You know, so I'm sort of freaking out a bit. I get in the car, I'm 200 metres down the road, no bloody petrol in the car. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, I yeah, wasn't yeah. the last person driving this car, no. by the way. But the, obviously my wife was driving it and went, oh, I can't be asked. No, well, you know, she probably considers filling up the car a man's job, does she? 
Well, She's I, quite old school. I have I have no idea what her thinking is, but I can tell you there were a few curse words when I was driving into the uh, petrol station this afternoon, you know, to fill up the car that should have been filled up by the previous driver. Having said that, it may have been my daughter that was the last to drive that particular car. And will you be raising this issue when you get home? Oh, best not. No, you're not. I a, mean, you're not an idiot, there's, are there's, you? There's no, there's no gain there, Mike. No. You know what I mean? There's no. nothing to be gained by me saying, "Hey, darling." Next time you drive the car and it's empty, could you put petrol in it? Well, how many times have you raised it? Uh, about four or five. Yeah, exactly. Nothing's changed. No, that's right. So it gets to a point where you say to yourself, why bother? You know, another way that – I'm just thinking here, Jordan, another thing that you could attempt would be a bit of the old reverse psychology. Oh, okay. So what you say to your uh, to your fiancé who you love dearly and is the light of your life is – God, I can't wait till we get to get the new car, and then I can uh, drive your 2002 Toyota Corolla. Oh, I see what you're doing. If you build up yeah. a math- massive amount of enthusiasm for driving that car, then she'll be like, oh, hang on a minute. Maybe I want to drive that one. Why does he want to drive I've it? I've got you. You know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what you do with kids, when you see kids playing and a kid doesn't want a toy until another kid tries to play with a toy and then that kid wants it. Yes. It's the same sort of idea. So you could give that one a run as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, in terms of not starting a fight, uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you, mate. Yeah, it's a, it's a lose-lose situation in, um, in many respects. Um, but I... I I think adjusting the seat so that she can't use it is a good mm-hmm. idea. I think making her number one on the insurance is a good idea. Yeah. Um, I think uh, you suddenly favouring the 2002 Toyota Corolla is a mm-hmm. good idea. All of those sort of things. Um, there, there may be that, you know, you all have to allow her to drive it every now and then. Oh, yeah. Just to, just to take the edge off the situation. Yeah. But I don't know what you're like as a passenger. I'm terrible. Yeah, I was just going to say, when you go away on holiday... Who gets into the driver's seat? When you go over the family, who gets into the driver's seat? Me. <laughs> Whenever the family goes anywhere, I uh, go in the driver's seat. Right. Um, and I always, uh, and my wife always says, I'm, I'm happy to drive if you want me to drive. No, no. Yeah, you might be happy. Yeah. No, no. No, no, darling. It's all good. It's all good. I'm yeah. happy to drive. You might be surprised to know that I also get in the driver's seat. Yeah, no, it doesn't surprise me, Mike. No. One of the worst things I ever did, actually, um, was let your wife drive. Well, no, was my my one of my daughters, and I use the word "let." Yes, the way I said it, yes. and that you allowed it. I allowed it, but I remember once when my daughter had just got her license, and um, and I let her drive us home from Pihar Beach. <laughs> I, and I don't know if you've ever been out to. I'm sure you have been I out have, to Pihar. Yeah. It's a pretty, she's a windy boat. It's a windy steep. Ba- Mate, and I was shitting bricks the entire time. Yeah. I was sitting in the front passenger seat with my hands on the dashboard the entire way. And every time she went around the corner, this is true, I'd be going, oh, 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 yeah. oh. She's never forgiven me for that drive. Right. And in the end, just before we, um, when we got home, she slammed the car door and just went, you're an asshole, Dad. Ah. And I was like, what's that about? Yeah. What? It, what? Well, that's quite smart as well because then she would never want to drive again, would she? Well, you which know, it I, gives you what you want, which is to drive. You wait till your your little one grows up and starts driving, mate. You you shit yourself, right? You know what I mean. I, I shit myself when my daughters go off driving. Yeah, they've been driving now. Um, my two eldest, they've been driving now for nearly eight years, right? And I still shit myself. My daughter just drove down to Wellington in the weekend. That terrified me, mate. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. But she's actually a better driver than I am. Yeah, I'm I'll sure. never tell her that. Um, no, but it's a worry as a parent. Absolutely, and and when you are that passenger, I sort of find that I I drive my foot 
through the passenger floor as if I've got a break there. Yes. You know, it always feels like I need to stop the car. Yeah. You know, you sort of, both legs are straight into the well of the car and I'm pushing against the back seat there and it's it's not something I enjoy. No. And as a result of that, you know, I think my wife can sense it. Do you think? Yeah. <laughs> and so you I think it's just sort of... as a board in the passenger seat. That's right. And I think she just thinks, well, it's probably easier if I just let him him drive if he like if it means that much to him exactly so do that well uh, I'm the, I'm, as i say i'm the opposite of that i'm kind of gripping onto the dashboard in a fetal position right you know sort of curled over on myself so many and ways making, he... and making weird noises yeah easy easy there's so many ways you can get across how you're feeling with your body language aren't there and there's a couple yes um so you can try those jordan so allow allow her to drive um, and just be such a horrific passenger that she get, just gives up. Yeah, and says, just goes fuck it this. Um, but you know, probably the easiest thing to do here is um, just break out with her. Well, you could do that too, of course, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're trying to avoid a fight, then I think probably the best thing to do is just to break up with her. Then there is no argument. There is no grey area. Unless, of course, Mike, she does own half the car. Right. Then he may be in a situation, uh, Jordan, where he's having to sell the car because she wants her half, or yeah. or he's having to lend it to her. She oh, has it one week, yeah. He has it the other, Shared custody. which is kind of shooting yourself in the foot a little bit. Yeah. Um, but you yeah, tell us how you get on, Jordan, because I'd be really interested to know, yeah, how it goes. And yeah, what, I, and what, I would. What, plan yeah. you, what what particular part of our advice you you're going to go with? Yeah. And I try all of it at different stages, but absolutely do get back to us because I'd love to know um, how the relationship ends. <laughs> Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. But right now it's time for... General Chat with Jason Mike. Morning, lads. I love your work. I listen when sitting in the tractor, cultivating the land. It helps the day go quicker. I need some advice on indoor plants. How many is too many? I've got so many, I'm currently unsure if I'm inside or outside. And that comes from Andy from the Naki. Oh, the Naki, great place. Over the iTunes reviews. Yeah, he's actually a, he's done something really smart there. What he's done is he's gone into iTunes, he's given us a rating yes, uh, and, a, and a review, but he's also asked a question in the review. Yeah, nice. Which is um, very real good. farming genius. So just to, just to um, qualify, iTunes is the one where they can do that. Correct. And it's Spotify and yeah, iHeart that they, where they you can't. can't. That's okay. right, yeah. Because imagine how many we'd get if they could, Mike. Oh, We'd be here Four for or five. Or, or, yeah, days. <laughs> We'd be here for days, mate. Uh, but that's a great question. Well, you've got a bit of experience with uh, pot plants, indoor plants. You've got a bit of a few feelings about 
this sort of stuff. What's you, what does your place look like? Have you got a lot of pot plants? Well, when I say um, when I. I've been talking to you about my indoor pot plants. They are literally pot plants. Right. Um, Weed. So, yeah, yeah. So right. they're just sort of scattered around the house. Right. Uh, and that's more more to do with sur- a surveillance issue. Right. Where I am out west, there's a lot of cop, um, helicopter action. Right. And I'm pretty sure they're scoping for illegal little outfits in the backyard there because I've got a big backyard. Right. Lovely little garden uh, that they're just scoping out whether I'm growing any plants. So I bring them inside into my sunroom. Have you contemplated putting them into the, uh, into the crawl space, the ceiling? Because what you can do there is um, obviously line it with uh, with tinfoil tin or similar, yeah, yeah. Um, get a good hydroponic lighting set up going through there. Um, I know that you've got an issue with your leaky roof. Yes. Um, so there's a lot of holes there. Um, so, but, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Because when you've got the plants all around the house and you having daughters of a certain age, you're probably finding they're getting plucked fairly regularly, eh? Well, I've only got my youngest daughter now at home, and I'm not. I just tell her they're um, capsicum and tomato plants, right? And she goes, "Oh, okay, cool." Right. Uh, she doesn't really pay much attention. Them. She's on her phone most of the time. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? And um, but you know, I mean, I just feel that if I went the whole tin foil in the roof or you know under the house type scenario, I just feel like I'm taking a step too far. And that that, that would, would be, be a criminal act. That would be yeah, a criminal act, yeah. and n- not easy to explain. Whereas if they're just elegantly placed around my my sun lounge, yeah, um, then I can you know perhaps argue. Well, I just thought they were into you know they yeah. were veggie plants, and I had no idea. Plead in- ignorance. Yes, yes. Um, but in terms of. I mean, what do you run with at your place? Do you have a lot of indoor plants? We've got none. Okay. None, um, which surprises me. There's been the odd mention. Um, I have not got a green thumb. Uh, I don't have any interest in gardening whatsoever, either inside or outside the house. We've tried to run herbs before. Yes. You know, when you go to the supermarket and they've got those little herb plants, and they're in the little pots of your basils or your corianders, you can have those, or you can have those plastic containers uh, of herbs, yes. which I always feel bad about getting those because it's sort of like eight or nine leaves. You don't use them all. It goes right in, and then you've got this heap of plastic there. So I always go with the plant, yeah. which has equal amount of plastic in the in the pot, in the pottle that it comes in, and dies just as quickly. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So that that's about as far as my green thumb goes. Have you killing tried, herbs? Have you tried watering the plant, mate? If I if I water it, I drown them. Right, if I okay. don't. They die of starvation. There's a, there's a balance that I'm not getting right, and I don't understand. I could probably Google it. Yeah, I, I just want to correct a misnomer here that uh, I'm a green thumb. You oh. know, I talk often about the fact that um, you know I go and look at my veggie patch, yeah. and then I'm working on my veggie patch and doing the lawns and all that. I'm not a green thumb right. at all. My I'm right. terrible at it. Ah. Um, and most of my garden dies most of the time. Right. Uh, but while it's alive, I simply enjoy the process of watching them grow. Um, but I am by no means a green finger. Having said that, we have a lot of not just pot pot plants around the house. We do have a few other plants, you know, sort of vines that grow down off off little desktops and things like that. Right. But not to the extent that uh, Andy does from the Naki because he, as he's put it, he literally doesn't know if he's inside or outside. So he yeah. must have some serious plant action going on. Yeah, and I wonder why he does. Um, I mean, if it's gotten to that point where you don't know if you're inside or outside. Um, I mean, you're a farmer, so one way to tell if you're inside or outside is can you see a tractor? Yeah. If you can see a tractor, you're outside. Well, he may be looking out the window, though, oh, and that's seeing true. the tractor, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and thus he's still inside. Yeah, yeah, it's another tricky one, isn't it? 
Um, yeah, I mean, personally, I think pot plants are, I guess there's some reason why you would have them, but for me, it just gives me another job that I've got to do in the day. Right. Um, and, of course, I'm not going to do it, so then the wife ends up doing it. So it just goes on her list. She has made the odd uh, request about um, my interest in having pot plants. I just don't really see the point. Yeah. And I think if I was in my forever home like you are, Jace, well, you know, you've lived there forever. No, can I just clear up another misnomer that I'm in my forever home? It's a shithole. <laughs> it's a a crumbling old villa. Right. Uh, lovely property, yeah. but a crumbling old villa. Right. Um, and it's not my never home not at your, all. Not your forever home. I'm trying to get out of the place right. as quickly as I can. Uh, to be honest, I've been tempted to just concrete over the entire backyard. Yeah. Because it would make it so much easier. Yes. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of having to mow the bloody lawns all the time and pull weeds and get the the whacker out. It does get you out of the house though, doesn't it? It does. You know, because do but you so actually... so does a durry. <laughs> <laughs> but do you actually enjoy going out and doing the lawns? Actually, I do enjoy doing the lawns. And this is the thing, isn't I, it? I consider it outdoor sweeping. Yeah, I, I actually like it. Yeah. And, um, because that's, that's one of the jobs that is mine. That's just something that I, I do. Um, you know, um, I hate to consistently bring up the wife, but she's inside doing the vacuuming. Right. This is like outside vacuuming. You I'm, call I'm kind of relieved sweeping. to know that you do do some jobs, Mike. Yeah, and I sort of, you know, I sort of play it off to her like, oh, God, I've got to go and mow the lawns. Yeah, and yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love getting out of the house well, for an hour and a half or so. There's something very nice about a, a, the smell of fresh cut grass. Yeah. it For some reason... It fills me with joy. It genuinely does. Right. I love the smell of, and I love the look of a freshly cut lawn. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's beautiful and manicured. Yeah. And I go around the edges there, and I'll often go and take my book out and get a book and sit with my chair out on the on the, uh, the lawn on there. On the lawn, yeah. Looking at my dying veggie patch. And, right. You know, there's twoies in the kofi tree. White butterflies everywhere. White butterflies eating the shit out of it. Um, yeah. I, I have a curious thing where I grow vegetables, except I grow magnificent plants that don't fruit. Oh. So I'm wondering if... Um, Are they fruit and, plants? No, they're, they're, you know, tomato plants and capsicums, chilies, but they just don't produce yeah, anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you're almost doing everything right. I mean, I get because there's, there's all sorts of things to consider, isn't there? That There's actually male and female tomato plants, because I know there is with, you were telling me about marijuana. Yes, that you've got to go with the female because the males just don't butt up. Yeah, you know. Well, well, the the males butt up, but they're just full of seeds. Cabbage, yes, yeah, seed. Yeah, 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 they've yeah. gone to seed. Gone to seed. Yes, like so many males we know. Yeah, um, yeah. So when it comes to pot plants, I don't have any in the house, but I feel like I I would probably like to have some if if it was in a house that I felt like I was going to be there for ten years or so. You know what I mean? Because sure. at some point I'm going to move out of the house that I'm in. Yeah. And the thought of having to move pot plants annoys me enough that I can't be bothered committing to any. I find that really interesting, actually, when I think about it, because you're married, of course. Mm. And the interesting thing about that is they often <laughs> say to people, before you get married, before you make any commitments or get a pet or something, get yourself a plant. Oh, do they? Yeah, get yourself a pot plant. And if I you heard could, dog. If you can look after the pot plant... No, I'm talk- I'm going right back to basics here. Right. If you can look after a pot plant and it doesn't die, then you can go on to a dog or a, a cat. Right. Then you can go on to a relationship. Right. You need to you need to go through these various levels of uh, caretaking, caretaking, yeah, yeah. And, and care. Right. Before you can know that you're actually capable of doing that. 
Right. Well, if I had have known about that, which I didn't, I would never have, you know, had the dog or the wife or the kid. Yeah. And so I'm a bit worried now. Because well, the only plants I've ever had are basil and coriander, and they're dead as fuck after three days. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? All does not go well. For- <laughs> does not all go well, no. Um, oh, shit, that is a worry. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. Or maybe I should get some pot plants. Maybe I can take some off the hands of Andy from the Naki. Well, well, the, the nice thing about it, actually, uh, the, the non-illegal pot plants that I have is that uh, I've got some flowering pot plants as well. Mm. So, you know, and they're usually a cacti or a cactus. Right. Um, and, and they're quite sort of ungainly looking things. And yeah. then for like a month every year, they bloom with these most extraordinary flowers. And right. I was like, oh, shit, look at that. Yeah. Look at that. That's amazing. I never knew it did that. Yeah. So that's that's one of the, you know, the plus sides of having uh, a And then for 11 months it looks like shit. Yeah, it's just sort of rotting and... You know, or it's dried up horribly and it's yeah. just fallen all over the carpet. You sort think of thing. they're dead, but you know they come back to life. In fact, you know you got to be careful too with the indoor plants when you're watering them that you don't overwater them because then it just drips onto the carpet. It's, and you've got rotten carpet and yeah. rotten rotten floorboards and all that sort of thing. You got to get the poles redone, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me, um, Andy, like you're the only one in the house. And um, to be honest, mate, you sound a bit lonely. Yeah, you know, it sounds like there's a void inside of you, a hole, a darkness. Um, a blackness um, that you're trying to fill with pot plants and um, you know you're out there on your tractor you're cultivating the land I think maybe you need to cultivate your own happiness a little bit more sure Um, because having pot plants around the house that's not company mate and you can talk to them all you want you just look like a lunatic yeah well I just got a a mental image there of of Andy sitting in his lounge here with all his pot plants, big burly farmer type fella with his yeah. cold beer on the side, chatting, chatting to his plants. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of creepy. Well, it is a bit sad, you know, he's watching TV and sort of sharing a laugh as he's watching the Big Bang Theory and yeah. elbowing a fern that he's got perched on the other side of the couch to him. But, you know, pot plants don't watch TV, mate. No. They don't understand humour. I suddenly had a vision of him in a lazy boy with where you usually put your cold beer in the little cup holder in the lazy boy. There's a little basil thing There's that he's got him ba- from the little, supermarket. A little, ba- a little herb basil thing just growing out of the arm there. Yeah. Which he just strokes like a cat when he's, <laughs> you know, when he's when he's watching, as you say, the Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Um, I mean, you s- the sort of thing you need to do is, and it's hard, isn't it? I know it is hard for farmers to attract a mate. Um, because you're after some a woman that wants to live on a farm. Um, and a lot of women out there do, Mike. Oh, abs- absolutely. And a friend of mine from school, actually, um, she's gone from you know being a city gal, came from the big smoke of Levin, and is actually now herself uh, married to a farmer. She's you know never had any interest in farming, but she's had some interest in a farmer, um, and now sort of finds herself stranded in the middle of nowhere with 400 head of cattle and a guy that she doesn't really love. And eight kids. Yeah, that's right. So she's loving it. But, you know, maybe we could start some kind of a, uh, a farmer's tinder. Yeah, maybe. Specific to farmers. Um, because it takes a special type of person to want to live out there. It's you know it's twenty four hours a day that stuff, mate. It is. Um, and as we know from the constant moaning that comes through the media, you know it's either where there's either there's either too much sun or too little or too little. Yeah. Um, and yet somehow they always manage to buy a bit more land, and they're still creaming it with the well, latest cars. Is, is, isn't the I think the statistics are uh, one in four farmers are millionaires. 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And so they do very well. But in fairness to them, though, the last three or four years have been through an absolute shit time. Have but, they? but they seem to be coming up again. I mean, if I could be a farmer, mate, if I had the ability, I'd be there all guns blazing. All guns are blazing. Um, but, you know, my farm and all my animals would be dead within a month. Well, that's right. They'd be very much the basil. <laughs> the basil. <laughs> the basil on the kitchen mantelpiece. That's right. Or the kitchen, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Andy sounds like he's going pretty good. I mean, he gets to listen to podcasts and his tractor while he's cultivating the land. So he's obviously killing it, but not killing his plants. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me like you need a, um, a boyfriend, Andy, or a girlfriend, if that's yeah. what you're into. Um, so maybe get out and do some meats and mingles. Um, you know, uh, maybe some people that are into agriculture, you know, a woman that you could bring around and show off your pot plants. I used to frequent all the time the... Brothels. Uh, apart from those, the agricultural shows. Oh, yeah. They're great, mate. There's tractors and all yeah. sorts. You know, there's um, um, prize-winning animals. Right. There's farmery type, you know, people there. <laughs> you um, took on all the jargon while you were they, there, didn't you? Yeah, they, they, and also, you know, um, machinery and oh, tools yeah. yes. and all that sort of stuff. Yes. It's a great way to meet people. Well, good, my- good fry-ups and that sort of thing. I had a... Uh, I had a flatmate, and she went down and did the, um, was it called the Great Southern Girl or something or other? It was a competition where um, they'd go down there and they had to back a trailer and fling around some uh, hay bales and, you know, sort of all this sort of stuff. So, you know, Andy, maybe you could get along to one of those, um, if that's what you're into, um, and just sort of uh, pick through through the contestants there. Yeah, just and, pick and through the, them. And you just do some bidding? Is that how it works? I'm not I, – I, I have heard of that. Yes. I'm not sure how the it Spates works. The Spates Great Southern Woman. Oh, yeah, you're probably yeah, not yeah. allowed to do it anymore. I don't know. But it sounds to me, mate, yeah, you need to make some friends. Um, and, you know, have you tried drinking? I suggest that he has very much so. Right. Um, thus a house full of pot plants. Yeah. Getting on the hammer and having some yarns with your pot plants. <laughs> your ferns. <laughs> Great stuff. Hey, yeah. well, Andy, um, hopefully that's of use to you, my friend, and uh, thanks for sending that in to us. We greatly appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And I want to I make the point now, please, if you're listening to this podcast, subscribe, uh, oh. rate and review us, uh, because we're, you know it means a lot to us that you do this, mm-hmm. uh, because otherwise, well, what the hell's the point, Mike? Yeah, that's right. And we've actually had a real lift in the, uh, in the ratings. Oh, great. The last couple of weeks, so I won't go into exact numbers. Um, but they've really climbed and held, actually, which Good. I've been shocked by. Normally it goes up and then straight back down yeah. for six days, but they've sort of held pretty well. So, um, and, and another thing that we really need from you is your request for advice. Um, you know, you, you'd be listening to this podcast and thinking, geez, you know, these guys give great advice. Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, so, you know, put pen to paper. Um, you know, jump on your phone. Uh, hit us up on All Talk with Jason Mike on the Instagram page there. DM us. Uh, and and ask us for some advice. Similarly, do it over the email or talk with Jason Mike at gmail dot com. Um, and we turn around these questions pretty quick. So uh, by all means, get in touch. Yeah, great stuff. Hey, well, thanks for taking the time to listen to this particular podcast. You take care out there. Enjoy the summer, why don't you? Until next week, from Mike and myself. Take it easy. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 